0: Welcome to Soulways. I'm your host, Carl Magruder, and today we're going to talk about how to accompany people who are in the grief process. People often ask about how to accompany children in grieving. So, children, of course, grieve profoundly and feel things very acutely. And it's very important to be able to be present to them because if you can't attend to their grief, they will fill in the gaps themselves. And sometimes the way that they do that is not helpful. So a couple of things to know is that children want to be as close or as far, for instance, during the process of illness and death, as they feel is right for them. So if you're taking care of someone in the home, for instance, who is dying... The kids may want to be in with them, and then at another time, the kids might not. And the trick is to let them know that they're welcome and they're not obligated. That starts to be a trauma if you say, you've got to go in there and sit with grandma, and grandma's just really freaking the kids out. My mom was on a vent when she was in her last days, and my kids could not be in the room with the ventilator breathing for her. But when they took her off the vent, then they could hold her hand and sing to her. It turns out that Row, Row, Row Your Boat is a beautiful song to sing to someone who is dying gently down the stream. Life is but a dream. So kids will know. They have that inner wisdom. They will know how close they want to be and how far. The other thing is that kids grieve episodically, so they might be very sad, and then they run around the house flying a kite and yelling And it's very important to just understand that's a natural grief process for them and not to say, your grandmother just died, you know, sit there and look gloomy. Uh, That's, that's, that's not helpful. Uh, Actually, kids can help us to remember that we have a palette of feeling. And the other thing is that kids will ask outrageous questions. One example is a a young school age girl whose mother died. And she was very quiet in the back of the car and the. Her father said, what's on your mind, honey? And she said, well, who's going to drive me to school in the morning? That was her concern in that moment. And the important thing is to say, I'll drive you to school or someone will drive you to school or you don't have to worry about that and not to overact and go, really, that's your problem? You know, you just don't want to overreact to the kinds of questions that children ask and also to answer their questions in an age appropriate way, just short answers and don't get metaphorical if you say to a 3 year old well grandma went to sleep and she never woke up that kid is not ever going to want to sleep again right so don't 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 fall into uh, cute metaphors to shield them from what they're feeling they know what they're feeling and you want to honor it by being present so here's a few tips and tricks for how to accompany people who are anticipating a loss or who have just experienced one. So the first and most important thing to know about accompanying people in profound grief and suffering is not to try to fix them. If we try to fix another person, two things happen. One, we get exhausted and we don't want to do it anymore. But the other thing that's probably more important is that we're doing violence their experience. So if someone is very sad and we're trying to get them to be happy, we're not honoring their sadness. And guess what? Sadness that doesn't have its full expression isn't healed. It doesn't transform into a source of strength and comfort and meaning. So don't fix. That's the most essential thing to understand. And that enables you just to be present to be a witness to the suffering that's happening. And if you can settle yourself down physically, spiritually, and emotionally in the presence of someone who is suffering or grieving, including yourself, you may in the midst of that discover something that would be beneficial but just being able to be present and to listen and not try to move people out of the place that they are is, in and of itself, the most important bereavement intervention that there is. The Quaker writer and philosopher, theologian, Douglas Steer wrote in his book Gleanings, to listen another's soul into a condition of disclosure and discovery may be almost the greatest service that any human being ever performs for another. And that's the essence of accompanying people in grief and suffering, and at other times as well. So don't fix, and you'll find that you won't be exhausted by being present to people you care about who are suffering. Now, If you do feel like you want to offer a little bit of framing, then there are a few simple questions that I like to ask that don't deprive a person of their authentic experience, but maybe allow them to make it a little bit more specific and also to balance the loss with gratitude and appreciation. So one question to ask someone who is grieving is, what is hardest about this in this moment? And that allows them to get specific and to say what it is exactly that is so hard. You know, I've been working on this book and he's never going to get to read it. Or he taught me this thing and I never got to tell him how much it changed my life. And so folks can focus it down a little bit. And so there's still probably a big bag of grief that that we're carrying. We call it grief work for a reason. It's it's work Uh, to carry grief. But for that moment, they can name that specific thing, and then they can look at it, and that's where they might find a gift in it. You know what? I think he always knew what it meant to me that he had taught me that thing, or he had had faith in my ability to write, or whatever. The other thing for someone who is grieving, either before or after a death, and maybe particularly before, You know, I know my person is dying, but I don't know what to say to them. And I find myself avoiding them. Does that speak to you? We sort of avoid people who are nearing death because we don't know how to be or what to say. And one of the things is to say thank you. It's very hard to say goodbye. Especially to someone who's still breathing. But thank you. Gratitude is always the spiritual neutral position that we start out from sort of an on guard position uh, from which you can go in any direction. And so you can thank them for something they taught you or something they showed you. And it's good to be both broad. Like you've always been such a kind person and also specific that time when I was stranded with my car and you dropped what you were doing and you came and got me really made me feel like I mattered to you. And I want you to know that you matter to me also so you can you can offer a thanks another thing for helping someone who's had a significant loss who's talking about the person that they've lost is to say tell me something that she loved and then they can say oh oh grandmother she <laughs> she just loved and they'll tell you something very sweet probably that's also a part of the loss and that's very meaningful for people to do when i was first working in the hospital i remember i had a room full of folks who were the loved ones of someone who had died and was still in the bed and they were staying there which often makes hospital staff nervous and i went in and i was working with people and hearing about their life you know i'd never met the person living and uh This question came to me just spontaneously, and I said, well, what did she love? And they looked at me for a second, and then someone said, well, she loved to dress. She would not leave the house if she wasn't wearing a hat, and she had great hats. And someone else said, well, she loved that little dog. And someone asked, well, did you love that little dog? And they all agreed that no one had loved that little dog except for the deceased, and then there was laughter and there was fun and there was all these ways of reflecting on how that woman had engaged with life and been so present and so vibrant and i learned later that they actually decided that everyone was going to wear their most spectacular hat to the funeral and so it actually became a way that was reflected in her going home ceremony So those are a few simple ways that you can accompany people who are grieving. Don't try to fix them. Just be present to their grief. Ask, what is most difficult about this right now? Ask, what did they love? Ask, what are you grateful for? And then for the advanced class, in your phone, right in that moment, if you can remember to do it, go out three months, go out six months, go out one year and write, check in with Dave about the loss of his father and call him up three months from now when the dust has settled and there's no funeral arrangements to be made and no one else is asking him about his father anymore. But he's actually feeling the grief more intensely that the time has gone on and the the dust has settled and the hospital bed is out of the living room, etc. And you call him up and go, hey, I was thinking about you and It's been three months since your father died, and I just wonder how you're doing on your journey. And let him talk to you about it. And he'll be able to recognize the ways that his grief is moving and changing, and he'll be made conscious of it for the time that he's talking with you about it. And that consciousness, that's how we grieve well. So you're helping him to grieve well. Now I'm going to close, and I want to suggest to you that one of the things that helps the grief process of those who love us not be derailed by things that shouldn't have happened or unpleasant sights, or traumas or moral injury feeling that they participated in or were unable to prevent something that happened that shouldn't have is for us to write an advanced care directive. I have one. Everyone I know has one. And working in healthcare as I do, I know how essential it is. If it feels to you like maybe part of being conscious of dying is preparing for death, which will come to us all, I invite you to look at the five wishes or simple advanced care directives that are available for all 50 states, and we'll put links in the, in the notes for And to do your advance directive and to say what you would want if you were very, very ill. And as a corollary, please do your will. I have never seen as vitriolic family conflict as a contested will fueled by grief, which is the, the poisonous cocktail that happens there. We're grieving and then there's a dispute over the will and everything goes badly sideways. So allow yourself to prepare a little bit for your own mortality and then to let go of that and to focus on living. Here at Soulways, we're hoping to have a dialogue with you, our listener. We want to have access to your wisdom and insight and your questions. So please feel free to email us at the email in the show notes and If you can, leave us a voice recording of your question, your comment, your story. And if you have something that you would like for the Soulways community to hold in the light, you can share that with us too. And we will offer a prayerful consciousness for the concern that you're carrying. This has been Soulways with Carl Magruder. May you be both blessed and blessing as you go forward in your week. And thank you so much for listening. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream Soulways is a production of Civic Light Projects. Our episode was produced by Carl Magruder and Marta Rusick. Wind chime sound effects created by Jonathan Shaw and our theme was created by Carl Magruder. Merrily, 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 Life is but a dream. This episode of Soulways is sponsored by Friends General Conference. For over 120 years, FGC has nurtured the spiritual lives of friends through programs like the annual FGC gathering, the Ministry on Racism program, the Spiritual Deepening program, Quaker books, and much more. To learn more visit fgcquaker.org. That's f-g-c-q-u-a-k-e-r dot